number 1508-23. A year with the church fathers. Use your money for good. Money is the root of all evil, we often hear, but what St. Paul really said was that the love of money is the root of all evils. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. St. Cyril of Jerusalem tells us that money can be used for good or for evil. You, the Christian, should use yours for good, and you will reap the reward of your works. Riches, gold, and silver do not belong to the devil, as some think. For the whole world of riches belong to the faithful man, but not a penny to the faithless. Now, nothing is more faithless than the devil, and God says plainly by the prophet, The gold is mine and the silver is mine. Hagee chapter 2 verse 8. And he gives it to whoever he wills. Simply use it well, and there is nothing wrong with money. But whatever you've made a bad use of it, you're unwilling to blame your own management. So you impiously throw the blame back at the Creator. A man may even be justified by his money. I was hungry and you gave me food. That certainly was from money. I was naked and you clothed me. That certainly was from money. Do you want to learn how money can become a door to the kingdom of heaven? Go, Jesus says, sell what you possess and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Matthew chapter 19 verses 21. Now I've made these remarks because of those heretics who say that our possessions and our money and our bodies are cursed. I don't want you to be a slave to money, but neither do I want you to treat as your enemies the thing God has given you to be used. St. Cyril, Cyril of Jerusalem, Catholic, Catholic Lecture 7, 15 and 16 in God's presence consider, is my money used for good or for evil? Have I used the things God gives me the way he wants me to use them? Closing prayer. Father, you sent your Son to save all humanity. Help me show true Christian love to strangers and to everyone who needs my help, so that one day I may, I may live in eternal happiness with all your people through the air with Thomas Merton. The cornfield. How high the corn is this summer. What joy there is in seeing the tall crests nod 10 and 12 feet above the ground and the astounding size of the silk bearded ears. You cut down out of the noviate, through the door in the enclosed wall, over the little bridge and down into his, this paradise of tall stalks and leaves and silence. There is a sacredness about the beauty of all tall maize, and I understand how the mayas must have felt about it. In this feeling, there is a pre-Eucharistic righteousness, rightness, and wisdom. How can we not love such things? Conjecture of a guilty bystander. The primacy of love. Love, in fact, is the spiritual life, and without it, all other exercises of the spirit, however lofty, are emptied of content and become mere illusions. 
The more lofty they are, the more dangerous the illusion. The Wisdom of the Desert. Magnificat. Gospel according to Luke. Chapter 1, verses 39 through 56. Mary set out and traveled to the hill country and haste to a town of Judah, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the infant leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth, filled with the Holy Spirit, cried out in a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how does this happen to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For at that moment the sound of your greeting reached my ears. The infant in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed are you who believed that what was spoken to you by the Lord would be fulfilled. And Mary said, My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on his lowly servant. From this day all generations will call me blessed. The Almighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. He has mercy on those who fear him in every generation. He has shown the strength of his arm and has scattered the proud in their conceit. He has cast down the mighty from their thrones and has lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with the good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has come to the help of his servant Israel for he has remembered his promise of mercy, promise he made to our fathers, to Abraham and to his children forever. Meditation of the day, crowned with the stars and glorious in heaven. With her fiat, the King of Kings, Christ her Son and Son of God was in her room. Once the Holy Spirit exclaimed in the Canticle of Canticles, go forth you daughters of Zion, and see the king in the diadem wherewith his mother crowned him in the day of his espousals, in the day of the joy of his heart. Centuries later, St. Ambrose saw at the Annunciation the crown of a king come to Christ in the moment of Mary's consent. And in return, a crown was here by which she was sovereign also of the same kingdom. She was his, and he was hers, and all that he could give, he gave. Henceforth, no man could call him king and deny to her the queenship. Before she heard from Simeon of the sword of sorrow, Mary heard of the kingdom of Christ. The angel told her, The Lord God shall give unto him the throne of David his father. He shall reign in the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Later she heard John the Baptist as preached, do penance for the kingdom of God is at hand. Still later from the lips of her beloved son, she heard of the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of my father, and she kept all these things in her heart. To her there was no need as to Pilate for Jesus to say, my kingdom is not of this world. His kingdom was hers, a kingdom purchased by blood, his blood, a kingdom conquered in his giving up of life, the life he had begun in her. By that sacrifice, he was king anew by right of conquest. By that sacrifice was she the queen offering him as offered himself. 
Upon the cross, the man of sorrows was our Lord. Beneath the cross, the mother of sorrows was our lady. Only she, who was his mother and his queen, could be so one with him in redeeming men, one in knowledge, sorrow, love, and triumph. All things were his, and he was God's. And in the moment of giving himself and all to God, he gave himself and all to her. Heaven hungered for its own. God drew her into glory. To her did the angels minister on earth. Before her they rejoiced in heaven. By the eternal trinity was she glorified. The Father asked her pleasure. The Spirit took her to bride. The Son acknowledges her to be his mother. Truly, he that is mighty has done great things in me. And on the island of Pathmos, John had a vision. I saw a woman clothed with the sun, and the moon was under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. God's little instruction book, number one, two, three. The golden nugget number one. James chapter two, verses 26. Faith without works is dead. Pray as if everything depended on God, and work as if everything depended upon man. Golden nugget number two, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 26. When you meet together, each one has a hymn, a teaching, a disclosure of special knowledge or information. But let everything be constructive and edifying and for the good of all. A good thing to remember a better thing to do. Work with a construction gang, not with a wrecking crew. Golden nugget number three, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Money is a very excellent servant, but a terrible master. Chesterton, day by day, the assumption. One instant, in a still light, he saw her lady. Then, her dress was soft as western sky. And she was a queen, most womanly, but she was a queen of men. And over the iron forest, he saw our lady stand. Her eyes were sad, without an art, and seven swords were in her heart, but one was in her hand, Ballad of Alfred. Reflection. Each one of the faithful can learn much, indeed very much, from the life of the Virgin Theotokos. I would like to mention just two things. First, she frequently went to Golgotha, the Mount of Olives, the Garden of Gethsemane, Bethlehem, and other places which were redolent of her son. She prayed on bended knees at all these places, especially Golgotha. Thus she gave the first example and impetus to the faithful of visiting holy places out of love toward him who by his presence, his passion, and his glory made these places holy and significant. Also we learn how she prayed for a quick departure from this life, so that when separated from her body, 
her soul would not encounter the Prince of Darkness and his horrors, and hidden from the dark regions would not see the punishment of those darkened by sin. Do you see how terrible it is for the soul to pass through the tall house? When she, who gave birth to the destroyer of Hades, and who herself has tremendous power over demons, prayed thus, What then is left for us? Out of extreme humility, she commanded herself to God and did not trust in her own deeds. So much, so much should we trust in our deeds, and even more we should commend ourselves into the hand of God, crying out for his mercy, especially at the time of the departure of the soul from the body. Quotes from St. Teresa, A soul in a state of grace has nothing to fear of demons who are cowards.